All right, we're back in 1 Samuel. We're working our way through 1 Samuel with the life of David. We are on our third lesson of 13 lessons. And uh, if you remember back to the first two weeks, the first week we talked about David daring to answer God's call. Every one of these lessons starts with dare to do something. Dare to answer God's call. Last week we talked about daring to take on our giants when, when David fought Goliath. And then this week we're going to talk about daring to serve the king. Um, a lot of times in our, in our um, reading of the story of David or our, or our learning about the story, we kind of look over this passage, 1 Samuel chapter 18. Uh, but we're going to talk about it today. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. I'm going to go through verse 5. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And this is, this is what kind of gets looked over. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. From this day on, David never went, didn't go back home. I shouldn't say he never went back home, but he didn't live at home anymore. Verse 3, though, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Let's pray, and we'll get into the lesson. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity we have to open your word and to learn again about uh, David, this man you said was after your own heart. God, I pray that we would learn lessons from his life, that we would apply them to our own lives, and... and, uh, Make changes where we can to uh, serve you better, to live for you, and as, we, as we'll talk about this morning, to serve our king better. God, I do pray for our country, uh, even just the article that was read this morning, that we're in such a, a wicked day. God, I pray that you'd help us to stand up against evil, stand for what is right, stand for you, be a testimony for you, be a witness. But God, I do pray for our country. God, I pray for the, the, the leadership the decisions that are being made on the highest levels, that you would just give wisdom and that you would help them to ask for that wisdom from you to make those decisions. God, I just pray as a church and and, and all of our churches that we would, uh, God, live for you. We would raise our families for you. And uh, God, we wouldn't just go through this world blindly. Uh, Often we we are comfortable ourselves, so we, we don't worry about what's going on in the world. God, I pray that we'd be paying attention. We would be wise uh, to what's going on and that we would uh, live for you. pray that you give us a good uh, Sunday school, a good service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we talked about, uh, just in the introduction of this whole lesson, that God used David uh, in mighty ways, actually anointed him, called him to be king because of the way he lived his life as a young man because of the decisions he made. Um, All through the Bible, and we talk about this often because um, as Christians, we are not just on this earth. And Pastor talks about this all the time. We're supposed to be uh, winning others. But but even more than that, we're not just a part of a church to get as much as we can, to be a sponge, so to speak, and, you know, take it all in and then do nothing with it. We're we're taking these things in for a reason. And the main reason is so that we can be of service to others uh, after that. So we learn and we grow in, in God's word. And then we, uh, in Timothy, Paul talks about 
being able to teach others also. Um, and that doesn't just mean teaching a Sunday school or, or doing Bible studies, but services also, uh, anything in the church. One person can't do it all. One group of people can't do it all. The church, everybody in the church, and the body, Bible talks about the church being a body. If everybody was the ear, or if the body was just an ear, where would be the, the speaking, or where would be the smelling? He talks about if it was just a nose. And the whole point of that, uh, part of that, in, I think is in 1 Corinthians, the whole point of that is to, to tell us, as a body, we're all needed. We all are an individual part that the whole church needs to be whole. But David, we're going to talk about this this morning, David learned to, stir, to serve. Now we have, <clears throat> besides David, a lot of examples in the Bible of people that serve, but Jesus Christ himself was the best example. He came to this earth to serve. We don't really see Jesus anywhere in the Bible taking, right? He's always teaching. He's always helping. He's always giving. He came to this earth to serve, but the highest uh, calling he had in his service was giving his life. He was serving his father. He didn't want, and we see this right at the end of Jesus's life, he didn't necessarily want to die on the cross and go through everything that he had to go. Remember, he prayed in the garden, if, if, if you can let this cup pass, please let it pass. But nevertheless, I am willing to serve. Not my will, but thine be done. I'm willing to serve. And that's, what, that's the same uh, attitude David had and that's why he's called a man after God's own heart. So first thing we're going to look at is David was claimed by the king. In, in verse 2, I made mention of this, but in verse 2, David is taken by the king. The king claims him and says, from here on, you're not going home. You're going to serve me. Verse 2 says, Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. And if you, if you look at any history, the kings, a lot of them did this. A lot of them would pick and choose the best. The same thing happened with Daniel, remember? Daniel was taken captive, but he went into the king's palace and he served. He was property of the king at that point. Um, Saul didn't buy David, uh, but he claimed him. He, David knew from that time forward who he was supposed to serve. It was King Saul. And I think that if in verse 2 it says um, Saul took him that day. I think if David would have rejected, he very well could have been killed or whatever else. You know, who knows what the, what the uh, repercussions were. But to apply that to us, uh, Jesus Christ bought us with his blood, right, on the cross. And we are supposed to serve him. So that's what the word redeemed means, to be bought back. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says this. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ, or God created us. We, because of the fall of man, we sin. We, we've strayed from him. Then Jesus came and bought us back. He bought us twice. Well, he created us, so we are supposed to serve him. But when we went away from that, he bought us back with his blood so that we would come back to him and serve him. He wants us to serve him with our lives. Uh, that is, that's what we were made for, to bring glory to God. It talks about in the Psalms that all of creation was made to bring glory to God. All of creation. And that includes the animals, the trees, the, everything he created, but especially us. Nothing else, we know this, but nothing else, uh, uh, no other part of creation was redeemed, was bought back. 
by Jesus Christ. Man was. Uh, he paid for our sins uh, on that cross so that we would come back and serve him. Um, once we are redeemed, we are redeemed to fulfill his purpose, uh, which is to walk with him and serve him. And we shouldn't be, and we know this, these, these lessons are not anything new. That's what I said at the very beginning. This is the story of David. We know the story of David. But there are some things that we can pick out of it, but we, they're all um, com- uh, not common, but they're all uh, familiar to us. And when Jesus Christ bought us, we shouldn't really be looking around trying to see who else is happy with what we're doing, right? Um, the world doesn't care what we're doing as far as for Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, they think we're weird. But even in our own churches, we shouldn't be lo- looking around seeing, do they notice the service that I'm doing here? Do they, do they realize how much I'm putting into this church? We should be doing it for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you a quick illustration. There was a, a young man who was a famous violinist. And he was in concert. He played before this huge crowd. And I've heard other stories like this. But this particular man played several different songs. The, the crowd cheered and clapped for him. And then they wanted an encore. So he came back out, played, again, played another song beautifully. He was, a, he was uh, famous. He was professional. And he went to go off the stage. And they cheered and clapped and called for an encore again. So he came back out and played again, which was Pretty rare. Sometimes they'll do it once, but they're not going to keep coming back out and playing and playing. And as soon as he got off backstage, one of the reporters asked him why he kept on going back up there for an encore to play again. And he said, my, my teacher was actually in the crowd tonight, and the first two times I went back up there and played, he didn't stand up. So I went back out there knowing he wasn't satisfied with my level of, of playing tonight. And he said, the third time when I went back out and played the last song, he stood up and cheered with everybody else, and that I knew I had uh, done what I was supposed to do. And that's a, kind of a silly example, but that's what we should be doing in, in reference to Jesus Christ. Man might get you up here on the stage, hey, everybody, look what he did, but that's not what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on, is Jesus Christ happy with how I'm living my life, happy with how I'm serving him? And if he's not, we talked about this on Wednesday. Um, a little bit. If Jesus Christ isn't happy, we need to change our lives to match what he's asking us to do. So David was claimed by the king. He was claimed for service. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Verse 24, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, We are claimed for his service, and that's all we should be worried about as far as service, not looking at what man thinks about what we're doing. Um, Don McCullough wrote in his his book, Waking from the American Dream, he wrote about actually England uh, during World War II. And Winston Churchill gave a speech to the labor unions and to the the different labor leaders, and and I'm just going to read what he said to them, and, and, and we'll go from there. England needed to increase its production of coal. So Winston Churchill, this is what he said to these labor leaders. He asked them to picture in their minds a parade, which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. And he said, first will come the sailors who have kept the vital sea lanes open. Then will come the soldiers who have come home from Dunkirk and gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then will come the pilots who had driven the 
Luftwaffe from the sky. And you can imagine hearing this in, in uh, uh, Winston Churchill's voice. And he said, last of all will come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone will cry from the crowd, where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats will come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the cold. And that's kind of how it is in churches. There are some people that get a lot of recognition. There are some people that, you know, deacons or whatever, that their face is kind of the face of the church. And then there are all the people in the church with their faces to the cold. Nobody recognizes them, but they are what keep the church going. Um, pastor cannot run everything in the church. He can't be in here and running the children's Sunday school and running the nursery and everything else that goes on in the church. But as, as Winston Churchill said, there are the people in the church with their faces to the cold making it happen. And that's who God rewards. He doesn't say, if you are in full-time Christian service for me, I will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There are some people, uh, there's a lady um, in the church we grew up in, I think for like 42 years or something like that, she has taught third grade Sunday school. And she finally, she can't do it anymore. Somebody finally took over. For 42 years, she has taught third grade boys and girls Sunday school. Someone like that, I think God is going to tell her, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's probably, I mean, the, the, the regular members of the church know her, but nobody's going to come to the church looking for her. Nobody knows her name outside. But she, she has served God exactly the way he told her to serve him. And that's what, the, what we need to be doing. Now, David was also claimed by the king to be separate. Um, he called him, called him away from his own home and said, you're going to serve me uh, from, from now on. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it's a very familiar verse. It says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord. And it goes on, touch not the unclean thing, but come out from among them and be ye separate. Um, <clears throat> when we leave, when we get saved and leave the world, it requires us to leave a lot of things that are familiar to us, normal to us. Um, you hear stories all the time. Uh, and I, I like Brother Renato's testimony um, with, you know, being being a drunk and God saves him from that. And, and they change. Now, Jesus Christ changes us, but at the same time, just because he changes our heart, we still have a will. We can still go back to what we want or did before. Um, and there's a, I'm not going to read the whole of this illustration, but there was a, a similar story to a young man came back from World War II, and in the war, he had gotten saved. And the guy that was discipling him said, on their way back, um, he said, now you know when you get back home, all your friends are going to be there. You're going back to your hometown. That's where you grew up. All your friends are going to, they're going to know you came back and they're going to want you to go out with them. And sure enough, he got back there and that, that exact thing happened. But this man challenged him. He said, when you get home, the first 10 people that come back up and greet you, no matter who it is, tell them, I got saved. I've given my life to Jesus Christ and I'm, and I'm a changed person. And so this man got back on the, on the train. He came back into town, and the first person that met him was this, you know, some young, young lady that he knew from high school or whatever. And she came up to him, and he said, you know what happened to me when I was uh, in, in battle? I got saved and gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm a changed person. But 
things I used to do, I, I'm not going to be doing those things anymore. And the, the illustration goes that she just kind of, <laughs> okay, and went on her way. And the next 10 people he did that to, and he said he lost a lot of friends, and the word got around that he's a different person. But that's what God calls us to when we accept him as our Savior. We're called to separate from the world, come out from among them, and be separate. But it doesn't mean that we have this terrible life from then on, right? We're separated away from some things, but two other things. I mean, we're separated to this congregation that God has given us to be a part of. And we can have a great time. Um, it doesn't mean it. I, I tell guys this at work sometimes. Um, but coming to church doesn't mean it needs to be the most boring place, the, the most boring thing we ever do throughout the week just because it's church. Uh, it, we can have a great time at church, but God calls us to be separated from the world. So David was uh, called by the king, but he was also commissioned by the king. Verse 5 of, of 1 Samuel chapter 18. It says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Uh, we're not going to go into this a whole lot because we just talked about service, but he was commissioned as a servant. In the beginning of verse 5, it says, David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and beha behaved himself wisely. Um, <clears throat> it was whatever Saul told him to do, that's what he did. And that's what, that's what I talked about at the beginning. David is a great example for how we should behave toward our king, toward Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I already talked about that, that Jesus Christ is the best example of a servant that we have. Um, and sometimes we, we see the life of Christ and it's easy to say, well, yeah, but he was perfect, right? He, he should have been that way. I can't, I'm not perfect. But, he, but then that's why we have examples of men in the Bible, King David, Joseph, some of these others, that they did just what Christ did. They, they followed exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, Andrew Murray said this, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. Uh, sometimes we get so worried that, that if, man, if I surrender or if, if I give my life to, to God, what, what's he going to ask me to do? Um, but that's what Andrew Murray was saying. God, God will assume full responsibility for that. He will protect you. He will reward you. He'll assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. Um, William Carey, you recognize that name. Um, he was a missionary to Burma. And this is what he said about his son. I thought this was interesting. His son Felix was appointed ambassador to Burma by the Queen of England. Obviously, he grew up there. He knew the language. He knew the politics. And he actually, she actually appointed him to be ambassador for her. Um, and this is what William Carey said about his son. Uh, he said, pray for Felix. He has degenerated into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the king of kings. Um, I mean, you would think that's pretty high, high um, position that he was in, but um, he was called to be a missionary. He actually was going to Burma, back to Burma as a missionary when the Queen of England asked him to be the ambassador, and, and uh, his dad said, pray for him. He's degenerated into 
being an ambassador for the British government. But we are to be serving the King of Kings. There's no other way to put it. That is our commission. Um, <clears throat> and maybe that word is familiar because of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. But <clears throat> he was also commissioned as a leader. So he was commissioned to serve, but he was commissioned as a leader. The second half of, half of verse 5 says, Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Um, we talked about this in the, in the uh, introduction to this whole series, but David was faithful in the small things, and that's why God gave him, well, Saul, but that's why God let him advance into these important uh, positions of responsibility because he was faithful in the small things. We've already talked about this a little bit, but if, if you're doing what, what you're supposed to do in the small mundane things in your life, even in service in the church, but more importantly in your life, God can then use you. But if in the small things in life, we're not being faithful, for example, raising our kids the way God asks us or tells us, uh, you know, reading the Bible with them, um, you know, uh, disciplining them, them when they need it, and, and raising them to serve and love God. If we're not faithful in those mundane things, how can God give us responsibility over, say, a group of children in a Sunday school class or a group of adults in a Sunday school class? How can he give us that responsibility when we're not faithful in the one, for me, the one child he gave me to raise? So David was commissioned as a leader because he was faithful in, these, uh, in, the, in the small responsibilities that we, he was given. But then lastly, David was commended by the king. Um, as, as, I mean, as wonderful as it would be, say, if, if uh, President Trump invited you to the White House and said, you're doing such a great job standing for our freedoms and doing what's right, and you know, you're, a, say, a pastor in a church or whatever else, that'd be great. That'd be nice to, to have that, right? How much more in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, another very familiar verse, to have God say when we stand before him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, what is important to us? For me, I'm so shy, I wouldn't even want to be in front of Donald Trump having him say, you've done such a great job. But to stand before the king of kings and have him say, you served me faithfully, you did exactly what I asked you to do. If we really think about that, I think we hear that so often. Can God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? But if we really think about that, uh, that's going to be an amazing time when, you, when we each stand before him and have him be able to say that to us. Uh, there will be no, no better accolades, no bigger accolades than to have him say that to us. Uh, but David was commended for his character. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14. The Bible says, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Verse 16, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. Um, David was, behaved himself wisely. And, and it's interesting, um, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 30, you're there, but look at verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. The, the Philistines noticed this is a wise man. He, he never makes mistakes. He behaves himself wisely. Uh, and, and I say he never makes mistakes. Never makes mistakes in judgment because he's 
a wise man. The Philistines even noticed that. And obviously, it's, it's, a, it's an easy parallel to, for us to see, does the world notice that you're wise because God has given you that wisdom? Does the world notice that? Or do you make the same foolish mistake that everybody else makes? Whether it's, it's uh, you know, money or, or whatever it is. Do you make the same foolish mistakes that everybody else makes? Or do you stand out from the crowd, not just because of the way you dress or talk or anything else like that, but because you're a, you're a different person? David stood out so much that when he went to battle, even with the Philistines, they would say, this, this is a wise man. Uh, it's interesting that they say that, but... Where did that wisdom come from? Psalm chapter 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Beginning of wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. And then the second part of that verse says, A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Um, and then Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Um, does the world see that, that God is living in and through you? If not, we, need, we should change the way we live. We should be, uh, maybe we aren't fearing the Lord like we should. Uh, I think often we, we don't fear the Lord like we should. But uh, <clears throat> John Wooden was a UCL, UCLA uh, basketball coach, he said this, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. That's a, that's a good statement. Um, a, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, but the character that builds that good name is even more important than having the good name is what he was saying. Um, and then David was commended by the people. You see that in um, uh uh, verse 15 and 16, but also Solomon followed his, his dad, his father, David's example. Remember when uh, all around the world, uh, Solomon was known for his wisdom and his wealth, and even the queen of Sheba came to see uh, regarding this, this wisdom and this wealth that he had. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 7, it, she said, The half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Um, I think the most successful people, the most in uh, money-wise, but also the most successful people in their service to God are those that are not really worried about who's watching, who's, who's giving them accolades. They may, people are going to notice, but they're not worried about getting that, um, that fame or anything else. They're worried about one thing, and that is serving Jesus Christ the way he asks them to serve. Uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, and we're almost done. The Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He's telling Joshua, I'll magnify you because you're allowing me to work through you, but I'll magnify you in the sight of Israel because of that. Um, and so in, in closing, and this is the last, last statement that I have, um, we need the need for service is greater today than, than it ever has been. Um, we were just out yesterday knocking on doors and we walked up again to a house and we hear this fairly often. And she said, please tell me you believe in Jesus. 
And I said, we actually do. We're, we're with Mount Victory Baptist Church. And we're out, you know, in the neighborhood letting people know that we're here and also inviting you to, you know, to come join us. And she said, well, I have a church, but I haven't seen somebody knocking on doors in years. She said, we used to do that. Our church used to do that. Um, and we hear that all the time. But now more than ever, look at the mess our world is in because Christians have gone silent. We've gone dormant. We, we're not out doing what we're supposed to do, compelling them to come in and hear the good news of the gospel. But um, we should be serving. We need to serve more than ever. But it's our king that we're doing it for. Pastor just talked about this um, the, when we were talking about the enemies of soul winning. Is One of the biggest enemies is the praise that we, the people are trying to get from others for winning souls. That's not why we should be doing it. We should be serving so that when we stand before God, he could say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Now, when, when David uh, was commissioned by Saul, in the mundane little tiny things, he was faithful, and God made him king because of those things. Remember the first lesson we had, uh, I talked about, I don't think that because necessarily because um, David was, was um, uh, that God called him because he was faithful. That, I think that's why God called him. Not that David was faithful because he was called. I think it went a step further than that. And because David was so faithful in the small things, obeying his father and, and the rest, that God used him. And, and hopefully we can take that example from David and do that ourselves. What if, it never, what if it never happens? What if God never has us do something big, right, so to speak, in our eyes? What if for 42 years you're the third grade Sunday school teacher uh, for the boys and girls? What we're really after is being able to have God say that we, we did what he asked us to do. Well done. Um, but if we're not faithful in those little things and God does have something bigger for us, he can never have us do that because we weren't faithful in the small things like David was. All right, let's pray and then we'll get ready for the morning service. Father, again, I thank you for this day that you've given us. I truly do thank you uh, for each individual day that you give to us to live for you, to serve you, uh, to tell others about you. Uh, God, we're so unfaithful so often in doing that. And uh, <clears throat> God, there's no bigger decision somebody can make in their life than to accept you as their savior. And then, but so often we're unfaithful in telling others about you so that they can make that decision. I pray that you'd help us to do better at that. And God, I pray as we go through these, uh, the life of David, that we would learn from him. That's why you put it in the Bible. God, I pray that we wouldn't just <clears throat> walk away from here and forget but we would be able to apply some of these things. And, and the most important thing we're learning from David here in these first couple weeks is to be faithful in what you've asked us to do. And uh, God, I pray that we would be, pray that we would uh, change others' lives because we're faithful in what you've asked us to do. God, I pray that you bless this next service. I pray that you bring uh, <clears throat> the unsaved into this place to hear the gospel preached. And I pray that you'd convict hearts uh, through the message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.